0: You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. You are listening to Payne.TV slash Gold, and I am Dustin Gold. All right, folks, I want to show you uh, something quite interesting here. You know, so we got through the circular economy. And uh, I think that was really good. I think you have an understanding of that. We talked about the silver lining. At the beginning of the show, I started going through a bunch of dates with you. I'm connecting a lot of dots right now on really when technocracy started to take hold. And right now I'm really focusing in and around the, I mean, obviously this whole technology boom came out of the industrial era, the industrial revolution. And so we're going to eventually get back to that. Civil war was involved, 1913, big year, Federal Reserve, IRS income tax. But I'm focusing right now on the uh, presidency of Franklin Roosevelt and the New Deal and the introduction of the Social Security number. And the reason why that is very important in this story is because a number of mainstream historians, the folks that are allowed to sell the so-called official narrative, have said several times in many different works that I found that the New Deal destroyed the technocracy movement. Remember, Howard Scott formed Technocracy Incorporated in 1933. The New Deal really picks up from 33 to 39. 1933 to 1939. So right at the beginning of when the New Deal starts to be implemented is when Howard Scott forms uh, Technocracy Incorporated. All right, and then if you go back, like I said, Howard Scott, 1919 to 1921 is when he runs the Technical Alliance. 1932, he has Committee on Technocracy. 1933, uh, Technocracy Incorporated. And so they say that the New Deal really fizzled out the technocracy movement, uh, which Howard Scott ran Technocracy Incorporated until he died in 1970. But the argument that I think I'll be able to make is that technocracy did not end because of the policies that FDR offered in the New Deal. Remember, Great Depression runs 1929 to 1939, and then the World War II kicks off 1939. So as they say, FDR's New Deal helps to resolve some of the problems of the Great Depression, And therefore, there was no need for this utopian technocracy. But what I can argue is that technocracy actually was embedded into the New Deal. And so I started doing research on Franklin Roosevelt. This stuff is not ready for prime time yet, folks. I have so many pieces to put together. But sometimes I want to show you the way that I do my work and how I do my research. So I find this really good article on independent.org. And this is Independent Institute. And it says FDR, the man, the leader, the legacy, right? And so what I'm looking for is technocracy. I have read in some articles that FDR had put certain technocrats into positions of power in his administration, but I wasn't really able to find any details. I'm like, who are these guys? Who are these people? I was hitting this brick wall, very similar to how Wide Awake Jim keeps hitting a brick wall as who's actually behind the Bank for International Settlements. So I'm like, they're trying to hide something, or maybe things just weren't documented as readily as they are today. So I'm digging and digging and digging. This is long, folks. This is a very, very long article. It breaks it all down. I'm eventually going to read this whole thing. Uh, I've watched documentaries and read some books on FDR uh, back in the days when I was interested uh, more in just regular American history, different periods throughout America. So anyway, I'm going through this document. And I start searching. And so what we find here is uh, what's called the brain trust. And so let me just read you a little piece from this really quickly. This is under a section, which is part seven, Governor uh, Roosevelt, 1928 to 1932. So this is as he's getting ready to uh, run for office. Okay, And so let me see real quick here. I'm going to go down to this section. And what we have, folks, sorry about that for the video audience. I know it's jumping all over the place. But anyway, it says, uh, what was his economic program for the nation? To help him with ideas, Roosevelt turned to the academic world. A professor from Columbia University, all right? Now, Columbia University, we know, continually keeps coming up with technocracy because Howard Scott, the founder of Technocracy, Inc., ran the original technocracy movement out of Columbia. Uh, Technical Alliance, which he had 1919 to 1921, that was focusing on that energy survey, that was run out of Columbia University. And we also know that there is Rockefeller money behind columbia university so it says right here a professor from columbia university raymond moley was brought to his attention talking about roosevelt the two men hit it off and moley assembled a group from columbia that came to be known as the brain trust they were all eager beaver reformers to one degree or another the most radical was economist rexford guy tugwell Who entertained many rare, uh, rather curious notions for a basic transformation of the American system? Roosevelt was now ready to deliver a major address on subduing the Depression. It became known as the Forgotten Man speech and would provoke a savage retort from Al Smith. All right. So let's just go through this for a second. Rexford Guy Tugwell. No, Guy Tugwell is not a X-rated movie star, although that's a pretty good name. Guy Tugwell. All right. So... All right, folks, that's it. That's the X-rated stuff for this show. Now I have to label the show explicit. I said I wasn't going to do that. All right, so anyway, you've got Roosevelt here, 1928 to 1932. He's gearing up for his presidential run, and so he's going to tackle the issues of the Great Depression, so he forms what's called the brain trust. Out of this group of people from Columbia University, well, when we look at 1928 to 1932, what did we have going on there, folks? From 1928 to 1932, we had Howard Scott and the scientists and engineers inside of Columbia University working out of what was the uh, the Committee on Technocracy, and then the Technical Alliance. I'm sorry, the uh, Technocracy Incorporated grew out of 1932. Into 1933. Now I will tell you something quite interesting. From 1921 to 1928, from 21, that is when Howard Scott's first project, the tech, uh, the technocracy alliance or the technical alliance, supposedly ended, and then he didn't start the committee on technocracy until. 1932. So there's an 11-year gap on two of his technocracy projects. So I've been trying to figure out where that 11-year gap was, who was this part of, and who ended up on this so-called brain trust there in Franklin Roosevelt's um, team that was helping build up the New Deal ideas, folks. All right, so let me just look right here. I go down further in this article. It says, since he seemed destined to become the next president, Roosevelt came under growing pressure to stake out a distinctive philosophical position for himself. This he attempted to do in April in a 10-minute radio speech. The talk was written for him by Raymond Moley, the Columbia professor who had gathered FDR's first brain trust and had acted as its unofficial chairman. Moley chose him as his theme, uh, as his theme, the forgotten man. Okay, so this is a history of where this comes from, all right? Now, let me show you what I found here. I go further down in this. Again, I haven't read everything, but I see no group was filled with more excitement or had a greater appetite for power than those quintessential new dealers, the brain trust, right? So we find out that the brain trust comes up with the new deal and the brain trust comes out of uh, Columbia University. Goes on to say the impact of those erstwhile professors, first assembled by Raymond Moley for the 1932 campaign, could be discerned in most of the new legislation and in its overall collectivist thrust. Right, so the professors here, first assembled by this Moley guy for the Brain Trust, could be discerned in most of the new legislation and its overall collectivist thrust. Right, so these guys help create this New Deal. That's this collectivist idea. Well, we're looking now at this guy named Rexford Tugwell, and this section is Rexford Tugwell and making America over the most prominent of the brain trusters and the man often considered the chief ideologist of the first new deal roughly 1933 to 1934 well folks what happened in 1933 1934 well we know That Howard Scott sets up Technocracy Incorporated in 1933, and they begin publishing all those documents, including the Technocracy Study Guide, Introduction to Technocracy, what I call the founding documents of technocracy, although it went back to 1919 and the ideas and ideology came from even before that. But let's just focus on this time period. So, this is the most prominent of the brain trusters, and the man often considered the chief ideologist of the first New Deal was Rexford Guy Tugwell. Tugwell was a follower of the school of thought known as Institutional Economics, founded by the eccentric writer on economics, Thorstein Veblen. All right. So it says right here, Tugwell was a follower of the school of thought known as institutional economics, founded by the eccentric writer on economics, Thorstein Veblen. If that name rings a bell to you, good, because Thorstein Veblen was the one who wrote a lot of the ideas behind technocracy that were then absorbed by Howard Scott, who knew Thorstein Veblen, Howard Scott being the founder of the technocracy movement. All right, so you've got Rexford Tugwell, who's following Thorstein Veblen, who Howard Scott also followed Thorstein Veblen. Do you understand? All right, let that sink in. It says his official position, this is talking about Tugwell, was assistant secretary of agriculture. That is second in command to Henry A. Wallace, but his influence and empire building extended far beyond that. In more ways than one, Tugwell is reminiscent of Ellsworth Tuhi in Ayn Rand's great novel, The Fountainhead. All right, folks, let that sing in for a minute. I'm just doing this. I'm showing you how I do my research and what we are looking into here at the Dust and Gold Standard, trying to find the origins of when technocracy began to be embedded inside of our government and grow into the culture of technology that we live under today. Folks, I'll be right back. This is Dust and Gold with the Dust and Gold Standard right here on slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, if you like this content, if you want to support this research, go over to pain.tv slash gold and join us. For $8.50-something cents, I don't even know where Mike came up with that. Maybe it's done in energy credits, who knows. But anyway, $8.50-something cents a month, and you can join us, you can access, I do almost 30 shows, if not more, a month, you get the ad-free video version. If you can't do that, please leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, because it really helps us. All right, let me just continue with this independent article just a little bit more. I'm just going to tease you on this stuff show you a little bit more of what i found and eventually i'll put this into a bigger episode for you but it says tugwell was another of the progressive thinkers enamored of the experiment in war socialism under woodrow wilson especially of bernard barshew's war industries board the first world war tugwell gushed was quote an industrial engineer's Utopia, end quote. He lamented the uh, armistice which prevented the WIB from expanding into, quote, a great experiment, end quote, in control of production and consumption. While still in academia, Tugwell was eager to observe a land where such a, quote, great experiment, end quote, was well underway. In 1927, he traveled to the Soviet Union. Certain aspects of the dictatorial political system he found offensive, of course, but the mighty changes in society and the economy dazzled him. Through scientific economic planning, the Soviets were able to, quote, carry out their industrial operations with a completely thought-out program, end quote. The future... Um, he announced is becoming visible in Russia. As the depression set in, Terms like quote planned economy end quote and quote national planning end quote became the watchwords of the day. They had been brooded about advanced thinkers for years and popularized by best selling writers like George Sol and Stuart Chase. By the way, Stuart Chase was on the Technical Alliance, Howard Scott's first group, who lauded the Soviet gospel and central planning, asking plaintively quote why should the russians have all the fun of remaking a world end quote the flagship of progressivism the new republic made the cat phrases its constant refrain just as a matter of curiosity when was the new republic ever right about anything now with fdr in charge fervent apostles of the nebulous creed wielded real power in washington All right, folks, so I go over here to Wikipedia, and I just start reading a little bit more about Rexford uh, Rexford Guy Tugwell. Very classy-looking gentleman, by the way, folks. Does he look like someone who would be into this stuff? No, he looks like a guy who would be smoking cigarettes in a 1940s commercial. All right, so now I find this uh, article at Digital Commons uh, from Liberty.edu. And I start reading this document. It's about 113 pages, (laughs) now part of my library, folks. And it says here, with the rise of the new left in the 1960s, a new view of Tugwell arose. New left historians typically disapproved of Roosevelt for not expanding his new deal to touch all facets of society. So you had the new left, and then over here, folks, you know about the new right, which Peter Thiel is funding and commanding, run by the ideology of Curtis Yarvin. They want to bring forward a techno-fascist king. All right. Well, it says here, most argued that while the New Deal helped improve life for some, it still left numerous people groups uncared for and was thus ultimately unsatisfactory. Contrary to their negative sent- sentiments towards Roosevelt, the New Left historians regarded Tugwell as a revolutionary who realized the essential changes that needed to take place. He was the true radical of the New Deal. Howard Zinn, for example, believed Tugwell was a, quote, bold advocate of national planning, end quote, designed to help individuals who were bypassed by the New Deal. Similarly, Paul Konkin, in this, his The New Deal, 1967, considered Tugwell a true reformer who tried to lead the country toward recovery, but was inhibited by Roosevelt's conservative tendencies. Tugwell's plans, Conkin wrote, contained, quote, faint echoes of technocracy, faint echoes of technocracy, a hint of corporate state, and a near arrogant contempt for such traditional values as competition, small economic units, and fee simple property, end quote. And fee simple property, end quote. He had contempt, folks. Arrogant contempt for such traditional values as competition. So he was completely 100% against the idea of true free markets. All right small economic units, and fee simple property, which ultimately dissuaded Roosevelt from accepting his ideas for the nation. In the end, according to Konkin, Roosevelt was at fault, not Tugwell, for failing to initiate national planning. The choice was presented to the president, but he declined Tugwell's ideas for a better American society. But it didn't matter, folks. His ideas already got embedded into the New Deal. Now, the technocrats didn't get the full pie but they got a piece of the pie and so you can see this is the beginning of where these technocratic ideas inside of our government came from again i'm going to back this up to the federal reserve there's a lot of these thinkers that came before the idea the named idea of technocracy who embedded some of this stuff but the new deal is a big piece of this it's anything but the end to technocracy it was the beginning of technocracy now let me show you over here at age of utopia dot info really good info i found here folks this was published in july 2018 this is an article titled from new deal to world constitution rexford g tugwell very important here rexford Uh, Guy Tugwell was born in the far western tip of New York in 1891. Through his odd name may not be familiar to many, he would go on to be a prominent economist and social theorist in the early 20th century. His life was unique in its way. He had studied and worked at a number of universities, including Columbia and Chicago, worked closely on Roosevelt's first New Deal, was appointed by the same Roosevelt to be governor of Puerto Rico, and contributed to the writing of a hypothetical constitution for a world government. You heard me, folks. The writing of a hypothetical constitution for a world government. And oh, yes, yes, we will be going down that path. Tugford had proudly supported World War I, saying that, quote, the ordeal of war brings out the magnificent resources of youth, end quote. He was a progressive par excellence, believing one of the America's biggest problems to be, quote, the dead hand of free enterprise, end quote. Instead, he favored central state planning akin to that of Benito Mussolini, of whom Tugwell was a big fan, big fan of Benito Mussolini. Tugwell spent his life not theorizing, but attempting to implement a progressive technocratic utopia in the united states of america and indeed across the globe tugwell was influenced by many of the classical progressive thinkers one of whom was edward bellamy author of the utopian novel looking backward 2000 to 1887 and a cousin of socialist francis bellamy who wrote the pledge of allegiance yeah you heard that now edward bellamy comes into play because his writings really became popular after the panic of 1893 and then he went on to inspire people like thorstein veblen who went on to inspire this guy right here rexford tugwell as well as howard scott you see it's a whole chain of these folks it goes on to say other beacon of the progressive era frederick uh, winslow taylor left an imprint on mr tugwell taylor after whom the hyper efficient philosophy of Taylorism is named. Believe firmly that in this industrial era, humans must be made to work as if they themselves were machines to Taylor Bellamy and Tugwell scientific management of society was one of the highest ideals humankind could strive for important as all of these philosopher, uh, these philosophical influences might have been Tugwell was after all an economist in this regard his two biggest influences seem to have been Scott Nearing and Simon Patton both of these men advocated for an entirely new centrally and scientifically planned economy focusing primarily on the efficient functioning of the social machine rather than on the individual running parallel to this philosophy was the fact that both men as was so with many progressives of the day were committed eugenicists all right ladies and gentlemen do you see what we have stumbled upon here folks we have All of these folks into the idea of socially engineering society, turning it into a social machine. You have them tied into the progressives. You have them tied into eugenics, which we're going to eventually get into maybe on the next show. But I am going to untangle this crazy world of Rexford Tugwell. We now know he had a major influence on FDR and the New Deal. We know that he grows out of the technocratic movement coming out of Columbia University. As I've stated over the last few shows, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a constitutional republic. You were living under a technocracy. You just don't realize it yet. This is why, as we wrap up, and this is the last time you'll hear me talk about it, I don't vote why the election is a fraud, because we are operating under a country that runs as a technocracy, not as a constitutional republic, and these people were able to pull it off without you casting one ballot for the technocracy, and without them firing one bullet at at you. Folks they embedded themselves into the bureaucracy. They changed the culture. They socially engineered all of us into this system. It is all around us. It wraps around us. And the one thing that they were wrong about this Shithole we live in. I apologize for the curse word. This shithole we live in is far from a utopia. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back tomorrow. This is Dust and Gold with the Dust and Gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world. Hmm. Built to keep us under control in order to change a human being.